box. <gasps> you opened it. We came. It's just a bottle box! Oh no. It is a means to summon us. Who are you? Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Solved the box. We came. Now you must come with us. They know how to make you smile. You're already here. Why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One's short and smooth, and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week. And all the horror stuff that they think is neat Hanging loose doing ridiculous reads Not cause we deserve it cause it's what we need Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne They argue about everything and drive each other so insane Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. My name is John Wayne. You know that. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Chris, yo, hi. How are you, Beard? How are you doing, dude? Beard's looking mighty, if I could say so myself. If you're not watching this on the YouTube, you're missing out big time. This beard (laughs) is uh, on top of it right now. Thank you. Yeah, I'm turning. I'm totally becoming just a mountain man i've already got the hermit thing down i've had that down for a long time uh i I live uh, in my compound away from everybody and Uh i figured might as well go all out and just start you know making friends with an axe and a block of wood and just (laughs) that's my life now that and you go out you rub uh you know wood chips and dirt and snow in it and shit and that's the real beard oil right oh, yeah. there yeah that's, yeah that's true as well yeah it's it's i use gun oil and like wood chips like you're saying snow dirt dog mm-hmm. hair yes it's, mm. yeah i call it chris's yeah. blend it'll be available in stores very soon <laughs> absolutely and i i can't wait because i'm gonna i have a blurb on that bottle but speaking mm-hmm. of gun oil we have a special guest with us today as our urban legend series rolls on uh, we are, um, some would say blessed, others would say transgressed with this next guest. Do you see how this all rhymed and all that shit? Man, this is some good weed. I'm already smoking. Yeah, yeah I was, was going to say, <laughs> it must be. Our, our guest today, friend of the show, friend of ours, friend of you and friend of mine, uh, extraordinary horror author, publisher, all around badass, C.V. Hunt, a.k.a. Carrie nicely is with us. Carrie, hello. What's up? Hello. Right House Press. How are you guys doing? What's happening? (laughs) Great to have you back. 
Oh, it's good awesome. to be back on here. <laughs> yes, awesome to see you. Awesome to talk to you. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Grindhouse Press is what you run. I forgot to say that in the opening. I don't know why. Uh, but like I said, uh, Chris and I are, uh, you know, we're not only friends with you, but we've published under you. It's good to have you back. You've got some new shit going on here, and we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff today. Um, Indeed. Chris, <clears throat> Chris. Yes. Yes. Uh, I wanted uh, to talk to you uh, about the weed corner uh, of the show because John we need weed to. We, we we don't have look look. The name is still in the writing room. I, I we're still I, I, we're I, still I, going around. We're pitching Carrie, names. I, Carrie called it John Wayne's weed corner. Uh, weed corner before we got on on the air here, and I think that's great. I like that a lot. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, we'll call it. Uh, you know, John Wayne's weed corner for now. Um, but what's awesome about this is because, you know, we've been talking about this because you most recently have been taking these bliss pills and blissing out and, you know, trying something else. <laughs> Carrie had like, um, has a med card, like in Ohio, I'd go visit her and she would like get yeah. stuff from that. So like, she's no stranger to danger either. <clears throat> and now here I am finally in this legal state, um, taking full advantage of my American and I would say God given right to walk into a store with my gun and my dog <laughs> and buy my marijuana. No, uh, I don't have a gun. I just have a dog. But well, yeah. I I can do literally all three of those things. So, I don't. I think yeah. I've <laughs> and legally. I, can I do feel like you're legally. doing that right now. But not, not saying I'm not. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, Chris, we talked earlier. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil any of this. But. Um, before we get into this into this conversation, I'm gonna smoke a joint again uh, to commemorate this. I can't remember who I did this with last time. Oh, I think it was Jonathan Butcher uh, that I just sat and smoked that whole joint. But this is another one I saved for the show. This is from Nature's Chemistry. This is called Pineapple Fanta. That's right. Wanta, 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 pineapple Fanta. That sounds awful. I've had some pineapple strands before. They're pretty good. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you don't know what you're talking about, dude. And this is a THC of 22.9%, so 23%. Um, is it well, if it's, if it's, it's Tiva, this is a gram joint. Well, uh, if it's uh, good, it's good. I believe you. But it's just, when, when you say pineapple Fanta marijuana, <laughs> that sounds awful. Awesome. That's a, I know. That's like, it when does. Someone's like, that's like when someone's like Mountain Dew vodka, dude. So it's really like, good. You're right. No. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It is good. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean, man. It, no, if it, it's good, it's good. I believe you, but it, it doesn't sound good. Uh, so that's all I'm saying. Uh, but I've never had, I've never smoked marijuana that was flavored to taste like something. Oh other no, than it's just oh, a, it's, it's just the strain. Just a strand. Yeah, it's a strain oh, well, of it. It's just like that's fine. Yeah, they have that's weird not... names. They have like blueberry cake and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay, for because I thought you were saying. You know, because they have all this new stuff now with, you know, with vape pens and everything else that you know, I thought you yeah, were saying that gross. like it actually, I thought you were saying it actually tasted like. Now, no, no, no. You will, you vape will, pens are gross. You will get some flour that has hints of, of things like in it, like, for instance, blueberry, that kind of stuff for real. Mm -hmm. But it's it's like a because how they get like flavor in coffee beans because they're grown next to like mm. a fucking strawberry patch or right. some shit so like notes of that crosses and mm -hmm. that's how they get like the light 
So, and somebody's probably yelling at their thing, like, you fucking idiot. It's like this science. And I'm like, I, hey, this we're is, not experts. <clears throat> this is a 30,000 <laughs> view, like feet view over. But that's basically how. So you will get some hints of flavors like Fruity Loops. Like when you get those kind of uh, strains, um, like Fruity Loops or some like Fruity Pebbles and stuff. It has like a fruity Skittles. Skittles. Yeah. yeah, it has like kind of like a, I don't know, like an intangible fruity taste like you know so. well i get a fruity taste from taking uh, my pills because i eat candy because when i get the munchies <laughs> yeah so but you but you try that you said you had a different you tried a different thing now you've been riding this bliss train for a while I, I, yeah, the, no, yeah bliss is bliss is really good um uh but uh yeah i tried this other one called harmony because it was mm -hmm. cheap because it was cheaper um and it's it's good but i like the bliss one better bliss is also blended differently though it has more of the cbd oil to kind of balance out uh the oh, THC. Were those the pills mm -hmm. the, yeah. okay yeah i tried them before yeah yeah, yeah so did it get you more high you feel like it didn't like uh the cbd kind of kept you more balanced the cbd definitely keeps you more balanced um i i don't know it's if if the harmony made me more high or not um but i have felt differently doing one or the other but it's like one of those things where it's just like kind of hard to explain the the, the bliss one definitely kicks in much faster uh yeah. the harmony one kind of snuck up on me where i was like yeah this feels okay and then all of a sudden i was like oh shit you know <laughs> like like Dude, two hours later i was like oh fuck i'm stoned out of my mind help you know? that that was like uh, back in high school and you'd get like the good weed and they'd be like oh this is creeper og or whatever and you're like creeper yeah. whatever and you smoke it, <clears throat> and then like you know, forty five minutes later or something, you're like, "Oh fuck, I'm so high." Yeah, um, yeah. Those are the well, good I, old I, days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, like I, I haven't smoked weed in in well over a decade. I don't, I don't like to smoke. I like the edibles because they're very, right. uh, they're very mild. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm too crazy to to get too high. You know, um, I have too no, many. Yeah, well, you're doing it right. Stuff, it's like you you get you know what you're getting every time too. Exactly. Like you're getting this this many milligrams every single time. So right. it's like if, if you're trying to like do micro dosing and stuff like that, it kind of helps out. Yeah, and you are you are exactly. doing a you're doing a low dosage, Chris. Like you're not like going nuts anyway. So no, it's uh, five milligrams. You're you keeping know. it under yes. control. And if you need to back off or take a break from it, then that's mm -hmm. cool too. You know. Yeah, yeah. You'll, that's you'll what I always tell people. Start out with five milligrams just to see because, like, if you haven't done it in a really long time, you do five yeah. milligrams. It's like holy shit, you know. That's that's me. That's me because I hadn't I hadn't done any kind of marijuana in well over a decade, and uh, yeah, and it's just recently, just last month, you know, I was like, I'm gonna try one of these edible things from for my constant pain from all the injuries I've had in life, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it helps a lot and yeah. but and i enjoy getting that high but i don't like getting really really high just like i don't like getting really drunk i don't like to be feel like i'm out of control you know yeah, yeah. out of control of myself you know and uh like the last time i smoked weed i've said this on the show before but i'm just telling you carrie the last time i smoked weed all those all those years ago i only took one or two hits but i've been a long time before that too and it, i just went completely out of my mind you know? i i remember i think last time we were at scares it cares or something i had the vape pen and i i think you i remember you mentioning that that you're just like oh yeah i don't do that because like yeah it just makes me fucking nuts or something and i was just yeah. like well i mean some people just don't like it i mean it's fine mm -hmm. um yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it does. It's and and th- like even doing the the edibles, like I I'll only do them alone. Um, like me, I just I can't handle any kind of social interaction when I when I have it. So yeah, and like me, it's like I don't like to do any of the sativas. Like mm-hmm. they they fuck with me too bad, especially with the heart stuff, because it's I mean it's not speed or anything, but it is just like it, it'll accelerate your heart rate. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just like I do not like to do any sativas. I only do indicas, or uh, I'll do a hybrid if the sativas on the low end of it, mm-hmm. because I did have one that was like that, and that one was fine to like, you know, if you had a bunch of people over watching a movie it's like oh i can get slightly stoned and still kind of be alert and aware and be able to interact with people with having that little bit of sativa there right but like full sativa i i've not had a good experience any good experiences <laughs> with that stuff it's just like no yeah. i don't like this shit at all <laughs> yeah I, I exclusively do pretty much sativas myself yeah that's, yeah, like, that's my does. brand that's yeah. my brand but much like bart simpson found his cigarette brand anything slim Chris, you will yes. find you'll find your like you know your brand in there somewhere. I believe it. Yeah, I only tried the the, the harmony one just because it was more affordable. Uh, but I, I do like the bliss one better. But the harmony one's good. I'm not trying to you know mm-hmm. not putting it down necessarily or anything. Um, but but yeah, I I certainly drink a lot less uh, now that I'm you know uh, doing these you know because I don't want to mix the things. So I just do one or the other. So. Oh uh, yeah, um, you don't, you don't want to do that. I've no, always had the weirdest thing. I was like that in high school too. Um, like when I'm smoking pot, I have absolutely no desire to smoke cigarettes or drink. I don't know what it is. I just mm. yeah, it's like I actually bought beer for like New Year's, and I was like, I had two of them. I was like, this, this I don't know. I'm just not into this. I don't yeah. want this. I'd yeah. rather just like I don't know why. Um, yeah, I don't like to overload. It's like one or the other. Pick one, you know. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. too old for that shit. <laughs> well, if you weren't yeah. if you weren't watching the um the video, this is another incentive to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I uh, I said no, I wouldn't do that, and then took a drink of my beer yeah. while I was smoking a joint. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I like to mix them up a little bit. You know, you get, well, yeah, get a little column A, a little column B. Yes. Yeah, so, well, you, yeah, you you do it more as like a party animal thing like you you do it all day every day so it's a way of life dude i know it is john wayne's trying to be the next bukowski (laughs) i'm on my way dude (laughs) but but yeah oh good news though chris breaking Uh, news you know this friend of the show avid listener and supporter and most excellent artist and awesome dude for life for sure our friend philip phil anthony bailey if i can't say his whole name i'm sure he doesn't care uh but shouts out to him uh he heard my my plea nay my desire for steve urkel's purple urkel weed and he's reached out to me and is getting me some today as we record mm-hmm. this and we'll be sending it to the new neon compound here in las vegas nevada uh and we will chris like we said it was very we had a very excited text uh chain oh, going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. uh a lot of caps were being used a lot of exclamations and, and stuff it's it's, it's it's very exciting yeah um uh, urkel has been such a big part of the show <laughs> he's really <laughs> you know he's kind of guided us a little bit and i feel like you know finally this is a momentous occasion so as soon as we get it we will definitely be uh having oh yeah well it'll be on the show yeah yeah Um, we'll be saving it for the show 
Well, here's here's uh, the question I had though, because uh, when I read up on it, purple Urkel is a strain of marijuana. It's not just Jell-L White's uh, brand name. Uh, it's actually a flower uh, that's been around mm. since like the early 2000s. Right. So I was wondering, is it actually Jell-L White's brand, his own brand, which he's partnered with some uh pot company i don't remember their name yeah um right. it is purple urkel but that's not just his brand name yeah no no but those are spelled differently too the urkels one's k-l-e and one's k-e-l oh, okay. so i'm a, like look as far as i know you know phil has told me he's secured the urkel weed he's a listener of the show he knows what's up mm -hmm. if he's made a mistake we'll exonerate him but for right now i think that jellyl white's Urkel I, weed is coming. Yeah, I'm sure. To I'm sure my if he's, mouth. I'm <laughs> coming in your mouth. Um, uh, no, I'm sure. I, I've known Phil since fucking junior high school. Um, yeah, he's an old friend of mine. So uh, yeah, I, I believe him if he says he's he's found it. I mean, apparently it's a California company, and I mean he's close enough. So yeah, yeah, yeah he's close enough being in uh, Portland. You know. So, um, well, great. That's uh, that's uh, that's, that's is, the weed is there corner. anything else for weed corner? This well, I don't know. One time, uh, Carrie, like uh, you live in another <laughs> another area now, so is like yeah. your dispensary uh, thing different? Because the one that when I came to visit you, you went at you had to wait in line outside, and like somebody got hit by a car yeah. leaving and shit. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's with the whole pandemic thing. So where I used to live, I was literally two blocks from a dispensary. And uh, with the pandemic, they had set it to where you had to go online, order your weed, put in an order, and then uh, they would text you when your order was ready to be picked up and you had to go stand in line and they only let like, one person into the store at a time to pick up their stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I moved to, I live in Yellow Springs, Ohio now. Some people may know what that is. Um, it's a very small uh, hippie town in Ohio. Um, it has places where you can buy bong and there's literally a grow facility on the edge of town. We pass it every day going to and from work. It smells like weed, um, but they have no dispensaries in town. You don't say so, it smells like weed. <laughs> it smells like weed. It's like, oh, why, what's that? why does that smell like a skunk? It's like, no, that's weed. Um, so yeah, the thing that sucks is Dayton is, I'd say the nearest dispensary is probably like a 20 minute drive. I'm really fucking lazy. I don't think anybody understands like how exceptionally fucking lazy I am. So <laughs> exceptionally <laughs> fucking lazy. Exceptionally fucking lazy. So I've literally uh, I have been ordering Delta Eight online because they mail it to your house. Um, uh, no, Delta Eight is. And you can you can get that because you have the medical uh, card. It's right. It is legal. So here's oh the, right right it right is legal. Uh, yeah, everywhere, because, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So it's like one, THC, one yeah, below. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, so ahead. THC is Delta-9. Uh, a byproduct of Delta-9 is Delta-8, which is a hemp byproduct. And then I can't remember the name of it, but it's the Farmers Act. Uh, there was a basically a law that was passed everywhere that said that, you know, you could use hemp and hemp byproducts uh, legally in every state. Yep. Uh, so, well, they didn't realize was uh, Delta 8, Delta 10, and THC 0 all have, uh, you know, psychoactive uh, effects. Mm -hmm. uh, so Delta 8, they refer to as the diet weed. 
Um, because <laughs> apparently it, it takes a little bit more than mm-hmm. regular pot or whatever to um uh, to get you high or whatever. But I'm exceptionally lazy, and uh, actually the cartridges are nearly half the price of what they are. Like the vape cartridges are nearly half the price ordering them online than going to a dispensary and buying them. Hmm. So yeah, yeah I well, I've been ordering. Go. Yeah, I've been ordering. There's a couple companies. I've kind of steered towards this one company uh, the most because it's like, yeah, they were really cool about, you know, you had to take a picture of yourself. You had to take a picture of your ID and like verify all that stuff. And then they they send it through the mail. It shows up in your mailbox or whatever. I was using another company. And then um, so the the government put uh, a weird rule in place for tobacco products and vape products to where you have to sign for them now. Oh. And it's just like, yeah, it's like, I, I'm not home when that's going to be delivered. Like I have yeah. a day job, you know, I have one of those stupid nine to five jobs. So, um, yeah, we've gotten a couple of things where I had to go to the post office and pick them up and stuff, but I was just like, right. no, this other company, it's like, nope, they have all my information stored. They know it's me and I'm a returning customer and yeah, they have sales all the time and it's just cheaper. It's cheaper. And yeah. then, yeah, it's just delivered right to my door. So uh, yeah, and like yeah, I said, might have to do a little bit more of it, but it same effects. Um, yeah, yeah, I actually had heard about this just recently that the Delta Eight, because mm-hmm. uh, another friend of mine mentioned it. Because uh, like this is something that people everywhere can get in in the states. Yeah. Yeah. So for the states that where marijuana sale is illegal, you can still get Delta yeah. Eight, and it's almost just like smoking marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I've totally turned on a couple of friends to it that live in in other states that can't, you know, and they're just like, oh yeah. well, I just get something from some dude or whatever, and I'm just like, no, you should check this out. And I was like, and and honestly, most places you can just go into a gas station, like wow. around here, you just walk into a gas station. Yeah, is it's it, like, it, um, is it um, like, do you have to be 18 or 21 to get it? Supposed to be I think 18, twenty, I believe. Is it? Yeah. I think eighteen. It, well, see, Ohio changed the uh, legal smoking age to twenty-one, so it might be twenty-one here. Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, it, but yeah, it's just like you can walk into any gas station. I've gotten edibles from a gas station, um, a Delta Eight edibles. Wow. Yeah, because it was like right before I had my surgery. It's like sometimes when I vape, it kind of hits me wrong and it makes me cough, and I was just mm-hmm. like. I had a hysterectomy, so I didn't want coughing in my stomach. So I went and bought edibles from the gas station. It was just like, yeah, yeah, just a bottle of, yeah, just, I mean, they're, they look just like any edibles for like regular pot. It's just, yeah, yeah, just says Delta 8 on it. And I've tried the, um, I think it's called THCO. I don't know how I feel about it. I have a cartridge. I've literally used it one time. So THCO acts exactly like uh, an edible. You vape it, and then it takes about a half an hour for it to kick in, mm. and it kicks in really gradual. It's it's yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's just like I just rather do an edible than than vape that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, edible. Like we were talking before, it's like edibles. It's like you know what you're getting. Yes. And each yeah. dosage, whereas vape, you're not real sure. You know how much you're. You know. Yeah. Especially if that's really dangerous. It's like you do it and you're like, wait a half hour. It's like, oh, nothing's happening. And you hit it again. It's like, oh, you're going to be fucked exactly in about it. an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what uh, the, the weed doctor at the 
at the um, at the place. The uh, nice weed me. doctor lady. Yeah, the nice weed doctor lady. So that's what she told me when I was first in there. I was like, look, I haven't done any of this stuff and I have not mm-hmm. had any marijuana in, in like 14 years or whatever the hell. And uh, so, yeah, she said the same thing. She's like, yeah, people will take these and say, oh, I don't feel anything. They'll take another. And it's just, you know, you have to be patient with it. And yeah. so I'm like, well, I'm only going to take one anyway, because I'm too scared to take more. So Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I was going to ask you, too. So you're in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Now, they legalized it in Connecticut, right? But they're not selling it there yet? or not, Well, not until May 1st. Um, May 1st, okay. they'll have, we'll have the dispensaries. Uh, but yeah, it is totally legal. It's legal to buy it. It's legal to sell it. Uh, but you do have mm-hmm. to, like, it's kind of like this weird lottery thing where businesses have to apply uh, and mm-hmm. only a limited amount of applications will be accepted. It's the same here. Yeah. 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 So like it's, there's it's only the, so many dispensaries allowed per capita right. or whatever. So, yeah. So that's what's happening in Connecticut now, you know, the, the bureaucratic uh, aspect of it and getting it all set up. But um, Massachusetts has had this for a while. And all yeah. I have to do is I drive, you know, like 40 minutes and I'm in Massachusetts mm-hmm. and I, and, and I can, that's where I get it. Yeah. When I first got my card here in Ohio, they literally only had three dispensaries open and they were all with like about a three hour drive away. And mm-hmm. I just went to Michigan. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot cheaper in Michigan. A lot of people in Ohio, even like up in the Cleveland area, there was a dispensary and those people would just go to like Detroit because it was like, it was so expensive mm-hmm. um, compared to like up in, up in the Michigan area. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Now they have, they had originally, I think, 88 dispensaries and they upped that number. So, but then uh, state of Ohio too, they're working on, I think they're going to try to put it on the ballot in 2024, I think is what they're trying for. It passed here one time before, but there was another law that was um, like with it, that was a monopoly law. Like basically here vote for weed to be legal. Uh, recreational okay that passed but in order for that to pass here's this other uh law that has to do with only so many farms can be open in and they had to be owned by these certain people it was it was a monopoly thing and it was just like if this one doesn't pass then the recreational doesn't pass and everybody voted down the monopoly so the recreational didn't pass but this time it's going to be you know you can grow your own plants in your own house and all that stuff on this one which should probably pass so yeah. Meanwhile, it's, here in Nevada, I can throw a stone and hit a dispensary. Uh, yeah. I and <laughs> I had it delivered will. to me too, which was cool, like a delivery service. For, and it was free delivery because I spent a certain amount, which I was going to spend anyway. Yeah, I see but, that Detroit had some deliveries, delivery ones too. But but they can only deliver up to an ounce. They Because yeah. they had to call oh, me on the telephone and say like, Mr. Wayne, sir. I said, you can't please. buy a pound. Like, please call me John Wayne. Mr. John Wayne, this is the FBI. No, they're like, yeah, they had to tell me like I couldn't get as much as I wanted, but it was very cool. But anyway, I've almost smoked this entire joint. I know that that's going to bring the weed corner to a close because I could sit here and talk all day. But I Chris's beard has grown like a quarter of an inch just during this whole conversation. And um, wow, I feel like Wayne wants to stop talking about pot like this is weird. I'm reading. I'm reading. (laughs) I'm picking up social cues and I'm ready to move on. (laughs) Uh, this has been John Wayne's weed corner. No, uh, I'm glad, uh, that you need a graphic, some other stuff, dude, go back to Chris, go back to bliss. Fuck this harmony shit. Sounds like it's fucking with your harmony. 
but maybe another time. Anyway, this has been John Wayne's Weed Corner. Chris, back to you. The weather. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's it's going to be cold and gray. All right. So on to uh, on, let's get into our show. We're not then. talking about your bush, dude. I said the weather. Oh yes, yes. Oh, oh pube, pube jokes again. Yep. Always with the pube jokes with this one. Low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, now we're talking about your balls. Uh, nice. Oh! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, let's get right into our show then. And I'm very excited because uh, we're about to do book of the week. <laughs> Don't you want a want a Fanta pineapple mm. Fanta want a Fanta? Yeah. Book of the week, Chris. Book of the week. So, uh, because we have our special guest author CV Hunt here, uh, we're going to be talking to her about her uh, new book, which is a uh, collaboration with Anderson Pronti, uh, and it's a little uh, book called Meat Photo. Meat photo. <laughs> Meat photo. That's how we say it around here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, first off, I want to say great, great title. Um, All right. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and how you guys uh, uh, came to that title? Okay, so we got to rewind way back. Uh, so, years ago, uh, I was going to publish a book on Grainhouse. Um, I didn't really uh talk with the author about the cover too much and i commissioned this photo from this artist named neil Och, and he takes pictures of uh like meat and stuff and they look they almost look like paintings really now is this uh, just just raw, just raw meat or cooked meat or yeah what? like raw raw meat uh intestines <clears throat> pig intestines cow eyeballs like all the weird gross okay things. so so gore yeah. Yeah. Position, positioned like yeah. as a feast or something like a kind of like yeah it was um it was it was all put out like on a table and stuff there's actually like a goblet and a candlestick holder and all this weird stuff so anyway i uh presented it to the author and they were just like oh because it's a little a little little gr gross yeah right right so um we, we switched tactics on it and um you know the author kind of felt bad he's like oh you know you commissioned this i was like no I'll f we'll figure out something to do with this so yeah. it's been sitting there for god i don't even know like 2015 or something i i can't remember the mm -hmm. date so it's been years and years and years mm -hmm. and me and andy have literally joked about this photo all the time we call it we called it meat photo it's like oh we're, what are we going to do something about that meat photo you know yeah. just, <laughs> i started i started calling it meat photo much like uh, powdered toast man does so it's like meat photo <laughs> so we had this photo that i had commissioned and then we were just like, oh, we'll turn it, we'll turn it into something or somebody will write something that will be appropriate for. And it just never kind of fell into place. So we moved here and um, yeah, we found a little bit of time on our hands and it literally was like, we should, we should do a collaboration. Now, neither one of us has ever collaborated with anybody before. And then also it, we're a couple. <laughs> so little weird you know i thought oh god this is going to be the end of the relationship it's like 10 years and this fucking meat photo book is going to be <laughs> it's going to end, end of it 
Yeah. Ten no, years we, and a meat photo. That's yeah. more than any of us could um, hope for, really. So we sat down one weekend and had a conversation, uh, mainly talking about how we love um, shot on video, horror, really low budget stuff. Mm -hmm. That most of the stuff's bonkers, off the walls plots, just yeah. like you know, crazy shit. So we came up with a fusion of uh, the movie Rubber. The tire. Yeah, the tire. It's about yeah. a killer tire. Yeah, A killer tire. A tire that rolls around and kills people, uh, which is just a ridiculous concept. And, uh, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie called Pontypool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's about the guy who's like a radio DJ and there's like a, a word that nobody knows what the word is, but it like makes people go crazy and they mm -hmm. start like killing people. It's almost like zombie esque, but like mm -hmm. a little bit different. Um, so we kind of like mesh those two to come up with meat photo. And the concept is, is everybody is really obsessed with these photos of meat. Uh, it's like all over social media and everything. Mm -hmm. And then I'll bring it out here so you can see it. Cause I made one. Well, we made two because me and uh -oh. Andy's author photos are this. Uh, everybody buys them and then they wear them like masks. <laughs> and they go. <laughs> They're all going on a great migration to the Dollar General where the source of uh, the meat photo is. So it's it's just a ridiculous yeah, this concept. Yeah, that's batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. Um, so, like, the, the Dollar it, General is like the mecca of the photo. Is that what it? Yeah. Is that what yeah. They're doing? Because yeah, there's a guy um, named Neil. Uh, we we actually I had to, I I okayed it with the artist before we did it because I was just like, mm -hmm. oh my god, I don't want this guy to think that we're like making fun of him. It's right, just like right. we're just having fucking fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just like, yeah, there's a guy named Neil who's uh, take takes a lot of photos of meat. And uh, he has bought an old Dollar General and turned it into an art museum gallery. I see. So yeah. <laughs> takes a lot of photos of meat. You know what have yeah, you? Yeah. So it's 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 really bonkers. It kind of starts out with this like dysfunctional family <laughs> and them and what they're doing and like yeah just uh, uh but yeah we had a lot of fun doing it because it was just like is this not none of this is going to be serious you know and and the the storyline kept kind of changing a little bit as we went even though we had like a very loose outline mm -hmm. um but it was uh andy started he wrote for one hour he handed it to me i wrote for an hour he handed it back back mm -hmm. and forth we went like that uh till we got to the end and then we both went back through and would add a little bit to each other's to kind of blend the writing a little bit and then yeah yeah our final read through was kind of weird we put it on our tv and we actually read it out loud and would like have discussions and and change whatever we need to change and stuff so cool um yeah well yeah this is great because you know you're, you're both prolific horror authors authors of a horror that could be very transgressive or weird yeah and this sounds very much in line with with both of yeah. your styles so this is mm -hmm. like your islands in the stream you know yeah <laughs> you're like your great duet you know? well i feel it's it's really bizarre and i was kind of curious how people would take it because it is such a weird it's just it's weird um but yeah i had i gave it to alicia uh stamps uh she did uh proofread for us yeah 
uh, for the final and uh, she really liked it. So I'm hoping other people like it uh-huh. too, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely our, you know, we sit around and watch a lot of shot on video, a lot of yeah. weird, low budget, just like, what are these people thinking yep, yep. <laughs> type <laughs> stuff? And that's kind of the concept that we went with. We were just like, yeah. Um, and the weird thing is, it's like, we got done and we we're just like already talking about doing something else. Uh, nice. That's great. Up, so. Yeah, that's great. Did, did the hour include like you reading what the other had written beforehand or was it like you got to read their entry and then it was like the clock started? Uh, yeah, I would read what he wrote and then set a timer for one hour and just okay, good. start writing. So it, it didn't it. matter okay. if you, you yeah, if you'd stopped in the middle, of the, if the timer went off in the middle of the sentence, you just stopped. Oh, just well. walked away. That's yeah, a lot of so. that's a lot of like anxiety and pressure to be writing. Oh there. yeah, because there was it's... one chapter I was trying so hard I wanted to write the entire chapter <clears throat> and it stopped in the middle and I'm just like, and I couldn't give him any pointers or anything or tell him what I was yeah. doing. I was just like, well, you got to uh, finish this wow, out. That's, so that's a yeah. that's a that's a weird way to to collaborate on a story. Yeah, yeah. I, I've done a few collaborations yeah. and yeah, I don't know if that would work for me. That'd be I'd be too stressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, and I think it only worked because, yeah, we lived together. So it literally was like getting up on a Saturday, having breakfast. He would write a chapter, hand it over to me. I'd read it, hand it back. Yeah. Um, yeah type thing. So it's no, just yeah, like, if, yeah, if I, it, I can imagine. I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. It, mm-hmm. It's it's great. You know, I, I'm not criticizing it in any way. I'm just saying, oh, no, wow, no. It's, yeah, if it works, it no, works. No, most people, <clears throat> most people say they go chapter for chapter type thing like one person will write a chapter and then the next person will write a chapter and it kind of almost was doing that at first but then it started getting really because some mm-hmm. of the chapters got were longer or shorter and stuff yeah like that too. and you and you do have to be careful to really um to to make it sound like one voice like you were saying um yes. you know you have to go over what the other person wrote and really add your own little flourishes to mm-hmm. it and and vice versa uh, otherwise it's very yeah. obvious who wrote what and it gets a little uh, clunky for the reader yeah so. and that's what I was really worried about and I that's why you know I gave it to Alicia to read it and stuff and she she literally came back and was like who the fuck wrote this and who the fuck wrote this and I was like nice oh yeah I was like yeah, yeah so she does yeah if she doesn't know then I think it, we did a good job of blending it together yeah that's perfect heck yeah yep, yep. so when is it when is this coming out Valentine's Day. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome. Wonderful. Chris, yeah. Chris, don't you have a book that comes out on Valentine's Day as well? I do. I have a new book called A Fine Evening in Hell. Uh, and oh. that comes out on Valentine's Day. I oh. think that this is a good bundle that everyone should get Ooh. on Valentine's yeah. Day together. That's true. This is like a this wasn't even planned. See, this we is really like Kismet. Or Kismet. We wanted to what do <laughs> Kismet. We really Kiss, wanted Kiss to do April April Fool's Day, but we'll be at uh, AuthorCon then. So right, I can't really wait. To, is it yeah. is it coming out through Grindhouse or Adelaide or which one? Uh, yeah, we're doing Grindhouse. It's a little on the transgressive side. It's a lot I, of yeah. It sounds yeah, more like yeah. a Grindhouse title, but I just yeah, wanted, I yeah. was curious. I wanted to ask. Yeah. Nice. All right, so so that comes out Valentine's Day, folks. Meet photo by C.V. Hunt. And Meet, photo. Prunty. Meet photo. <laughs> Meet photo. Meet <laughs> photo. Did any did any of you guys' dads ever call you a meat whistle when you were a kid? <laughs> meat whistle. No. My dad called me a. My dad would call me a meat whistle and say, "Get over here, you meat whistle." And it took me like a while to realize like that's just a oh dick. Oh my god! Like, yeah, that he was calling it. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I did get Meathead, but not Meat Whistle. Uh, yeah. I got Meat Whistle. Yeah. yeah. You get Meat Whistle all the time. Oh, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. All right, Meat Whistle. Let's move on to... Uh, <laughs> <Is that, laughs> call you that, that all the time now. <laughs> Please do. Um, all right, folks. So uh, we're going to move right along into our next fabulous segment. And this is, of course, Ridiculous Reads. <laughs> ridiculous ridiculous reads guess what Mm -hmm. everyone i'm on ridiculous reads today oh my god and if you've been listening along you know that i've in i've moved uh so all of my books have been in 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 boxes they were in a pod forever being transmitted and transported to me uh, I did get those boxes uh, not too long ago and have access to things. So I was able to get access to my pile of books, which I've reserved for Ridiculous Reads, and I'm on it. Beautiful. He's <clears> back. <throat> He's back, folks. Now, with all the talk of meat photos and photos of, of meat whistles, <laughs> I feel it's only it's only right that we introduce today uh the book i'm going to to read from this is called quantum leap (laughs) odyssey yes quantum leap odyssey now you may remember if you're a longtime listener first time caller i i read from quantum leap the novel the one that started it all i read from already because uh, I got it from a bookstore uh, when I was in Tennessee. Ryan uh, Harding, our, our our friend, your fellow. Uh, speaking of collaborations, uh-huh. uh, you know, guys uh, nominated for Splatterpunk, Night Stalkers. He he directed Nick P and I to this bookstore where I found these books about Quantum Leap, and uh, talk about Kismet Mittens. Um, we read from the first one. This is an actual like its own thing. So think about this as like. I don't know, like a 45,000 word episode of Quantum Leap. Yes, it's a standalone novel based on the series. Exactly. So it's like you just like, you know, it's 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 past its time, actually, because, you know, if you put this out when this show was going on, like you could be like, oh, man, I can't wait for next Monday when Quantum Leap comes out. I got I'm going to read a book until then. And you could (laughs) have really made it happen, I feel. But this is this is a uh, this is one of the this is like an episode. By itself, if you're not familiar with the Quantum Leap series, uh, a, a gentleman named Sam Beckett is is fucking launched through time, uh, jumping into people, and he has to help them do something in order to save them or whatever, or JFK or something like that, before he can leap to the next person, and he gets help via a hologram named Al. Uh, Who doesn't uh, know what Quantum? I don't Leap know is? because I watched loser? Quantum Leap as a kid. My I know dad was really into it. Yeah. I just wanted to give a brief overview now. What kind of losers out there don't know Quantum Leap? Okay, okay, Father. With Okay, so the back of this one. Will a leaper learn his lessons before it's too late? In 1983, in the small town in upstate New York, Sam Beckett has a problem. He's leaped into a brilliant but troubled boy named Sean O'Connor, who's part of a gifted students program called Olympics of the Mind. The program is about to be canceled, and if it is, Ziggy says terrible things will happen to Sean and his friends as they grow up. 
that's pretty broad, right? Like, can't you just assume terrible things are going to happen to a group of kids as they grow up? Well, that great I mean, computers. That's, that's just, I was going to say, that's just what life is. It's just like any, you could point to any kid and be like, horrible things are going to happen. And it's true. Right. <laughs> but, it's life. It's really but uplifting. How, you guys but how, be motivational speakers at a high school. <laughs> well, funny you mentioned that. Chris and I were waiting. Well, Chris, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and announce it now. Chris and I are going to be motivationally speaking this year on a tour of graduations. Mm-hmm. But how can a 12 year old boy put right what is about to go wrong? In 1999, in the center of a secret project known as Quantum mm-hmm. Leap, Al Calavici has an even bigger problem. The real Sean O'Connor is in detention in the waiting room and he's determined to escape. That's another oh, element no. of, of Quantum Leap was like, you know, he leapt into the body of the person, but they were in like his body in the waiting room, which was like this yeah. light room or whatever when you watch the show. So what it's saying is like there's a dual plot going on where this kid's trying to escape the room because otherwise oh, people sit, sit in there and they're like, I don't yeah. know what's going on. So I'm going to take, I'm going to do a reading from this. This is, by, by the way, this is by Barbara E. Walton. Um, the Barbara E. Walton. The Barbara E. Walton. You may remember her from such things as. as I don't know. I just. <laughs> I was joking. I don't know who that is. Chris got really excited. <laughs> uh, we do. You may know her from Quantum Leap Odyssey. So, like we know, you know, Sam he jumps into people. So we're gonna pick up here after he's all. He's. he's we've already gone through the rigmarole of him being like, "What? Where am I? What's happening?" And he's in this kid's body. And uh, he's talking. He's talking to a girl. He finds himself talking to this girl, who turns out to be uh, his girlfriend or the person whose body he's in. And then our our friend Al intervenes uh, right at this point, as he does at the beginning of every episode to kind of set the the plot. <clears throat> Here we go. She was a pretty girl with thick red hair. I knew you'd like that, Chris. Mm-hmm. Wide brown eyes and a high breathy voice. She smelled of bubblegum, hairspray. And some sweet perfume. Mm-mm. There was something familiar about her. <clears throat> but Sam couldn't place it. Don't think about it, he told himself. Things that he thought about too much never came to him. This girl was a piece of his missing memory. He just <laughs> have to wait. I, 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 was, I was expecting this girl was a piece of ass. Let me this tell you. This <laughs> ass, though. She is 12. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> It's, it's pro- it gets problematic. It gets problematic. We just have to wait for her to fall into place. Okay. If she didn't come that way, she wouldn't come at all. Phrasing. Wow. Wow. She, yeah. she, she leaned forward and planted a wet kiss on Sam's cheek. Bye, babe. Babe, he thought, bemused. What was this girl? 12, maybe 13 years old, tops? Hot, he said. No. She squeezed his hand and gave him a big, toothy smile and stood and waved to the others. See ya, she said. Pigeon and Johnny both returned her wave. Sarah ignored her studiously. She left. Still somewhat dazed, Sam shook his head. She called me babe, he mused as a screech of metal announced the opening of the imaging chamber door, a portal between the world where he was and the world where he belonged. Pigeon looked up. She's been calling you babe since you started going out. 
And then this is where, you know, Al, he walks into the background. No one can see Al but Sam. And so Al's just like, which was beep, boop, boop, boop. Sam hears a series of beeps, turns to find Al Calavici, his holographic observer, a few feet behind him, dressed somewhat conservatively for Al in a black shirt with self-lit buttons and black pants. Four months ago, Al finished. They're a real item. Four months is a long time for seventh graders. It's a long time for you, Sam muttered. (laughs) I think it's a low blow. Yeah. Al ignored him and began pulling up records from the data files. It's Friday, January 21st, 1983, he said. Your name is Sean O'Connor. You're 12 years old. You're a seventh grader here at Pentworth Central in Pentworth, New York. You and the rest of the kids here are in a gifted program called Olympics of the Mind. OM for short. It's a competition. This one is humor from Homer. They have to take a scene from the Odyssey and make it a comedy. You're Zeus, by the way. He pointed to the door. This sounds that which sounds awesome, by the way. Oh uh, yeah. <clears throat> All the, the cool kids did that in my day. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, dude. These kids are getting fucking laid and played everywhere. <laughs> well, point- well, Sam's gonna get laid and it's gonna be really awkward. Oh yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> he pointed to the door. The amorous and very young lady, like they just like again driving home, is Chrissy Martinez. She's eleven. They accelerated her. Young Sam, lady. No, that's called, that's a child, is what that is. Sam says, Do I know Chrissy Martinez? Not that I know of. Why? She looks kind of familiar. Hey, O'Connor, Johnny called, interrupting them. Who are you talking to? Sam shrugged. Just practicing my lines. He tried. You only have four. Well, I want to get them right. Sarah raised her eyes to the heavens. Finally, one person is taking this seriously. Johnny shook his head <laughs> offhandedly. Oh, we'd all slash our wrists with rusty steak knives to get to states, and you know it. If you're going to slash your wrists, wait until after the competition. I can replace you between regional and states, but not between now and Monday. States is like state competition, but they're right, like states. Right. Or it's fucking weird. These, these are some these are some dark twelve year olds. <laughs> I just want to say talking about well, one of them's eleven, dude. One of them's eleven. She's accelerated. Sarah's tone was light, but Sam sensed a disturbing intensity in her attitude. He thought she was more serious than she let on. Dangerously lonely. He thought again. Johnny was apparently accustomed to her. Glad to know my life is valuable, he said. Till Monday, anyway, Vision reminded him. Sam looked at Al out of the corner of his eye. Their humor is a little tasteless, he said under his breath. Al was smiling. I like these kids. You would. Anyway, we'll stop there because I could go on. (laughs) But that's a little bit of like where basically, you know, what goes on from here is he finds out that he has to lose uh, his virginity to this girl. To everybody, he has to lose his virginity to everybody in the play uh, before uh, this happens. No, they get to, he's like, well, you'll get to state, uh, they'll get to regionals without you, but they need you to get to state because the, the school's going to pull the program before they get to state. So oh, they never get no. to go. They never get to go. And then apparently they all grew up to be assholes or something. And he, he's got to stop that. He's got to make sure they make the show. The show must go on. And he's got to explore these children's bodies. I'm not sure. what, uh, <laughs> But uh, that's Quantum Leap Odyssey. And that yes. is by the great Barbara E. Walton, as we know, one of the great 
quantum leap riders of our generation, at least. Uh, yeah. Well, and, that's uh, great. Yeah. I, thanks, I, man. There was a pile I, of these, too. So don't I worry. Know. <laughs> There's more to come. More to come. Yeah. Oh, man. That's great. And what a great section to read from. Yeah. Yep. That was great. I love that. All right. So I love moving. you, dude. Uh, oh, I love you, too. Um, <laughs> thanks, man. Move, moving right along, we're going to get into our, our topic. Uh, yeah. We've been running with this for past several episodes. This is a little something we call Urban Legends. Urban legends. Yes. All right. Yes, Down for Chris, some uh, right, toe tapping fun will. here, folks. Uh, sure. Go first, as we've been uh, doing. Nice, as uh, urban legends. As is we. Is, uh, as is our way. John Wayne. Um, you we're beginning now. I this week I was going round and round. There's a few things that I kind of went deep on that I was like, man, what am I going to do this week? You know, I want to do something cool. So I actually set out to do something that wasn't necessarily wasn't las vegas themed at all turned out to become become semi las vegas themed but um so first uh first part of this i'm going to talk about is a, a, a dybbuk do do i do you guys know what a dybbuk is no. no so this is a, a in 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 jewish lore a dybbuk is uh like a de- like a demon or like a malicious type of spirit that uh finds like a a dis like a soul that's a you know a dislocated soul of a dead person that's left and 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 snatches that soul and then that uses it to penetrate another body like a living body to possess that body to with that soul like kind of like getting in via that soul to give it a home but then in this demon takes over um and it's basically just in 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 jewish in jewish history and jewish lore it's kind of like uh, a be like demonic possession basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh it it it, it comes like the word dibic means act of sticking um mm. which which is how it it sticks or clings to that other soul to like wrench it into a living body to be able to possess and and do its thing and the only way to get rid of these things is uh through an exorcism as as Ooh. we as we know and um and love from uh, popular cinema, mm-hmm. but uh, so the divot can only be. Well, uh, I, yes. I have a quick question because, uh, um, as far as I know, it was always uh, just the Catholic faith that had uh, exorcisms. But you're saying this is part of the Jewish faith, and they have exorcisms of their own. Their own, yes, absolutely. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so, like they, but but how this can't kind of came about, and this, you know, we as we've been talking about urban legends, we've kind of been deconstructing them where we can, uh, where the truth kind of is within them. And this, like, uh, I'm going to go a little bit more into this where we will, but this all goes back to where even, you know, normal, I guess what you say, Christian demonic possession comes from where it's mental health back, like, you know, 1800s, wherever, like mental health things were just looked at as like, you got a demon in you, boy. 
So that's <clears throat> that's what this is. So a lot of mental health issues were classified as you being um, possessed by a Dybbuk. And the way that they would exercise them is, you know, um, through different way, you know, different weird ways, the same ways that the doctors would do like different weird ceremonies, like, you know, where everyone, you know, fasts and throws, you know, blood, like all this kind of interesting, weird things to exercise this Dybbuk from you. It mm -hmm. also coincided at the same time that there was the Salem witch uh, epidemic, I guess, was happening when they were killing all of these people for witchcraft. <laughs> this is <clears throat> the Dybbuk thing almost kind of piggybacked off of that or, or was a ripple at the same time, like in a just in a different culture. Right. Uh, so these people were trying to be exercised or invoke trying to remove this, you know, spirit from the dead, this demon, because like Satan isn't isn't really like the same in in the Jewish faith as it is in like the Christian faith. Like Satan's mm -hmm. just like a background player, really. Like he's right. not anything to be anything, but they're, but, but, but in the faith they are very like, uh, scared of Dybbuk's and even like Scarlet, you know, my, my lady friend, she is Jewish. And she told me that this is a story that they would tell them as kids to scare them, uh, about the Dybbuk's coming now. All right. So these demons. So, you know, like I said, it's, you know, it's, the only way to get rid of these demons is to exercise them. Uh, you have to, you know, have all this ceremony that happens, whatever. Now, let me ask you guys this. Have you heard of something called the Dybbuk box? No. no. I mean, if I hadn't heard of a Dybbuk, why would I have known a Dybbuk box? The Dybbuk box. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe you were like, I don't know. Maybe it's not the same. Uh, okay. Well, well you know what? Let's, let, let's just... Let's just start over. No. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things like that uh, that goes along with the Dybbuk lore is that they are, you know, typically the soul that they grab onto is a tortured soul, like one that is can't find refuge, right? Mm -hmm. And then they grasp that soul to take it and use it to get into a body. So, like I said, they have to be exercised, removed from a body. So there's this legend that there was this box that a Dybbuk was taken out of a, a person exercised from them and put into this box, which is like uh, a very old wine uh, crate type of thing. That's like the size of about a speaker. Um, if you can see my speakers behind me, but you know, maybe a foot or so by like eight inches, something like that. You'd open it up. There'd be like a wine bottle in there, you know, very old looking box. And they put this Dybbuk, that was uh, a Holocaust survivor, or not, sur obviously not survivor, but a Holocaust victim that was like this, you know, uh, soul that this demon was attached to and is inside this fucking box. So there's all this rage, there's all this anger and all this crazy shit that's supposed to be in this box. Now, this box is here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, at the Haunted Museum, I believe is what it's called, which is right like a stone's throw away from actually where I live. Is it the Haunted Museum or is it the Death Museum or something in Las it's, Vegas? It's, it's a Haunted Museum. <laughs> okay. It's a Haunted Museum. So it's Zach Baggins owns it. Um, he oh, was okay. Ghost Adventures. Yeah. Um, now, the way that this is displayed in, in the museum now is it's in a room that it's in the middle. It's under... Um, it's under a big glass 
kind of bell jar that is uh, inscribed with Jewish blessings, like Hebrew blessings, like uh, all in this glass. And it's got uh, a ring of sage around the box and a ring of salt around that. And then you have to stand back so far. And when they take you through, they say like they they give you the story and they say like if you see, you know, you can look the the salt around the box. You know, there's parts of it where it looks like it's kind of spread out a little bit further. And that what that's supposed to be is that the door, like whatever's inside the, is is opening the door to try to push the salt, so it can eventually find a way through because you know demons or whatever have to count all the grains of salt before they can pass so they're trying to basically create some kind of you know way through that by like fanning the door open and that's what you're supposed to think and you get all like ooh. now um in uh uh, let's see when was it so this was like a couple of years ago i think it's 2017 2018 like i said zach baggins owns this um owns this box now it's in the museum here there was this whole big thing where he's gonna open the box like a live event like fucking like Geraldo. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we're opening the fucking vault man and jimmy hoffa's tomb yeah exactly and they had to get um a rabbi to come on on scene to uh be there to you know make sure all the shit was going down and it was a huge to do that people were lined up around the museum apparently like just lines and lines people were up against all the windows looking in just waiting for some crazy shit to happen when they opened this fucking box right mm-hmm. and they're live and they're oh my god it's all like this and much like the Geraldo episode uh it ends in a sloppy you know fucking jerk off uh, uh imagine they- that they don't even jerk off. you you mean there was no demon in the box well they didn't Shocking. even open they didn't even open the box chris because oh. they were too creeped out about what, what was happening shit. oh god now bunch, now bunch of <laughs> okay now let me now like we said we go into the truth behind these things where did okay. these things come from right so the Dybbuk box was basically invented by a collector, a man, like a regular fucking white dude who took this weird box that he got. And he, he was someone who sold things on eBay just like to turn them. Um, his name is Kevin Manis. And he bought this box and in 2003, put it on eBay and just like he's a creative writer like like us and and built like this story behind it you know just like an antique piece whatever to try to like blah blah blah. he built up this lore well this takes fucking you know it takes some fucking it takes hold and people start talking about it and you know it becomes another game of of telephone uh via you know the internet fake news type of whatever just like oh yeah i heard this box it's got it's got a demon it's got a holocaust demon and oh no and you know and all of this shit happens to the point that people are that make claims that like them coming in contact with this box has given them bad luck mm-hmm. uh stints and runs of bad luck until they could get rid of the the touch of that demon or whatever this this but make no mistake this man has gone on fucking uh, uh on record He's been investigated by, in, even in, in 2019, 
by an investigator named Kenny Biddle, even, who went there and he investigated the box itself. And listen to this. His conclusion upon investigating this box was the lore is that this is supposed to be some fucking relic uh, bar, a wine cabinet, like I told you, but it's really just like a mini bar from New York, like 2000, or like it's it's just made to look like... Oh, so, so, so he said it contained spirits, but he was right, being cute and, with wordplay. <laughs> exactly, but what was in it, like he even put like in it like some weird stone that he painted. You know, he was just like being a weird artist, trying to like... This piece is haunted by a Dybbuk demon, and it took hold uh, when just like got traction. Much like we were talking about that that siren head guy, where I was like, "What the fuck is this?" But all that came from was like a guy's YouTube video that they made. Right. And this yeah. shit like yeah. is, is just weird. And this just all came from an eBay post. This was like popularized the Dybbuk boxes. Apparently, like I didn't see this movie, but the Possession in 2012 came out. Sam Raimi produced it. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess that was based on on this legend, but it still like is there in the in the museum of haunted museum museum of the haunted or whatever the fuck it is over here on Las Vegas Boulevard right by me, and uh, yeah, people st- they think that it's like uh, really super haunted, even yeah. though it's like this guy's like, hey, I made it up, mm-hmm. and like this guy goes in yeah. and investigates it, and he's like, yeah, this is like a. You know, this it's is a, a mini fridge. Yeah. This is actually a quantum leap novel. You know, I mean, he's like, like the, even so, even that being said, you know, people are still like, no, 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 which is hilarious. Um, yeah. which is probably why people don't get vaccinated, I guess. But you know, that's another, that's a different podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this guy, this guy, Manis, he says, he says in 2021, I am a creative writer. The Dybbuk box is a story that I created and the Dybbuk box story has done exactly what I intended it to do when I posted it 20 years ago, which is to become an interactive horror story in real time. And he and that added new elements to the Dybbuk box story over the years helped it to involve to evolve, keep it relevant and interesting. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is cool. It's kind of like, you know, the lament configuration in Hellraiser or something where you've got this like, you know, this mysterious object, this box. And if you open it, you will unleash the demons. But I do like that. uh, He was saying, oh, it contains spirits. And then you find out it's a mini bar. And it's like, oh, I see what you did there. Spirits. (laughs) (laughs) He was just like a he he was like a regular meat whistle like you or I, Chris, who might put on some kind of a cutesy description about our underwear drawer that we're trying to sell because we need to we don't want to pawn our base that week you know and then this, meanwhile this we create like a whole you, haunt- do, then. <laughs> yeah. you know like you know how you do chris you how you and i do uh but no it's 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 funny how that stuff happens and so so it's yeah. i don't know i like that but that's yeah. that's my that's my urban legend this year week very year. good very cool <laughs> All right, Thank I you. guess that, that brings us uh, to me because we always save our guest for last. Uh, you know, Carrie, you're the, the headliner. Uh, we so, went and saved the guests for last. And so <laughs> uh, I'm pulling up my notes now. Uh, so mine is, um, is, is based in, in fact, but the facts are um, 
questionable, debatable. But what I'm going to tell you first, the beginning of this is absolutely true. Uh, this was in the summer of 1997, the good old days, right? Uh, that's when I graduated. Yeah, um. no one cares. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway, uh, 1997, uh, there was a, a, a really popular show on the radio uh, called The Howard Stern Show. And I and he's still around now. But uh, in, in 1997, um, he was top of the world. Like, he was absolutely huge in, in 1997. Uh, and what happened uh, was... As uh, in like I said in August of 1997, uh, he got there was a phone call on the Howard Stern show, and again, this is an urban legend. This this happened. This part, yeah, I've heard uh, the recording. It's yeah, it's uh, you already know creepy. where I'm going. You already know where I'm yeah. going. Yeah, you know the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what happens is uh, a self-proclaimed serial killer uh, called in. I uh, called into the show, and he. Uh, named himself as clay that's the only name he said you can call me clay uh and he calls in and uh he's saying you know he's this guy in new orleans and he's responsible uh for the murders of uh 12 women and so this is all live on the air you can as carrie mentioned you can go back and you can listen to um to to this call so now, again, we have to remember, this is the Howard Stern show, okay? And Howard Stern got all kinds of crazy calls all the time. He got lots of people who were completely full of shit uh, as well, and people that were just stoned and crazy and just said ridiculous things. And the show was also very lowbrow in its humor. You know, I mean, this is when he was doing Fart Man and shit like that. You know, this was, it was really like gutter humor all the time. So at first, you know, this guy calls in, he's saying this stuff, and, you know, uh, Stern and his co-host Robin, they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And they're just kind of going along with it, seeing what the guy has to say. Uh, but as the guy continues to talk, they slowly start to take him a little bit more seriously. Um, so I'm gonna, you know, read some of this stuff. Um it's uh uh what what starts off is when they get they get on there, uh Stern says, uh, okay, hello, is is this Ed? Is this Ed? And the guy sounding actually a little aggravated. It's like, no, I never said my name was Ed. How dare you get my name wrong? Uh, and so like, he's already kind of like weird, you know? And then Stern's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was told it was Ed. What, what can we call you? And he says, you know, you can just call me Clay. Uh, and so Stern asks him, he's like, well, you know, okay. So how many women have you killed? And it turns out that you know, he, he says that he mainly kills uh, prostitutes. Uh, and he very quickly says, uh, he's like, oh, 12, you know, like, like it's nothing. You know, well, he actually you know, sounds a little proud of it. Um, but he, he just, he says it, he, the whole time he talks, he's, he sounds very just laid back and relaxed talking about it. And uh, as I said, initially, uh, Stern and Robin, they're not really taking the guy seriously, uh, like, you know, because who, what serial killer is going to call into a show and confess. But uh, as they go on, uh, that it gets more strange and disturbing um, because he starts saying like specific things about how he kills uh, these people, um, how he hits them in, with a hammer in the back of the head, how he drives them to secluded places, which is easy enough to do because they're prostitutes and they, you know, they need to go somewhere private uh, and how he's been doing this for a long time. Um, 
And so, you know, so uh, Stern and um, uh, Robin, they start to take it a little bit more seriously and they start to ask him things to try to gain information. You know, like Stern even goes so far as asking if he has any tattoos, you know, like just to, that way, maybe make him easier to identify to police or something like that, because they don't know if this guy is completely full of shit or, or not. And the way he's talking is he's very matter of fact about things. He's not making jokes or like, you know, anything like that. Uh, and when, yeah, when you listen to this, like I guess uh, Carrie mentioned, you can find this online. It's very easy. Just, just Stern show Clay the Killer. And you can listen to this guy confess all this stuff. Uh, but the urban legend part of it is, is we're not really sure if this was true or not. But here's where it gets uh, uh, more interesting. The day after the, the show, the FBI shows up at Stern Studio and says, we need a, we need a copy of this audio as evidence. Uh, and so, you know, of course, Stern turns it over and everything. Um, but what apparently, according to multiple reports, what grabbed the FBI's attention uh, about the phone call is that the caller revealed information about the murders that authorities never made public. So mm. that really kind of sent up, you know, flags for obvious reasons. Um, so because of that, they consider what the guy was saying to be factual. Uh, that this guy, Clay, actually had killed these women because he knew all these details. Um, but even though they gathered that information and everything, um, it didn't necessarily lead to an arrest. Or did it? Because um, here's here's what they thought was going on. Um, at the time, because these murders were happening in, in New Orleans, that part was not made up at all. Uh, there really were these women turning up dead in the uh, 1990s. So, uh, and it started back in uh, 1991. Uh, the serial killer began claiming lives uh, in the Algiers and Treme uh, neighborhoods of New Orleans uh, and was eventually credited with 24 murders throughout the 1990s. Um, so in 1995, a New Orleans police officer named Victor Grant was the prime suspect in, uh, in the murders of his girlfriend, Sharon Robinson, and a New Orleans uh, casino employee, uh, Karen Irvister, uh, who was allegedly a prostitute. So this guy, um, they started to think uh, that this guy became the suspect for these all of these murders, you know, to be this, you know, serial killer. And he was a fucking cop. And where it's, uh, what's funny is when uh, Clay the Killer called into that show, they, they asked him, about uh, his race, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm white," and the and he actually knew that this cop was the suspect. And he's like, "Yeah, it's really funny. They suspect this cop of the one doing my killings, and he's a black guy." And it's you know he thought it was you know kind of funny that that that, that situation. Uh, now, typical of the police department, this is absolutely crazy, but it's, it's still not surprising. Is the cop is on um, is still on active duty, even though he's a suspected murderer. They kept him on duty, right? Because the cops are fucking ridiculous. Um, so uh, yeah, they so they keep him on duty, uh, and uh, he uh, reportedly submitted blood and tissue samples for the investigation, but nothing more is really known. But I did pull this up. This is from criminalminds.fandom.com. Uh, uh, it says at this point, nothing has been disclosed of, of Gant's fate afterward, whether or not there was a DNA match. 
to the two aforementioned murders or the other 22 victims of the serial killer is unknown. It should be noted that a sketch of the killer was drawn in 1992 after the first six murders. The sketch depicted a large, muscular African-American man in his 30s, which matched uh, Gant's physical description. Um, But uh, in in 1997, the Clay the Killer told Howard Stern uh, that, uh, you know, he was was white. Uh, So here's where it gets more interesting, is they think that much later, uh, it's suspected that much later, a man named Russell Elwood, uh, who was arrested, they believe he may well have been Clay the Killer. Uh, he, uh, let's see here, 1998, Russell Elwood stood trial for the 1993 murders of Cheryl Lewis of Bridge City and Dolores Mack, uh, and uh, ultimately he was found guilty of the, these these murders. Uh, and so this guy, Elwood, was thought to be responsible for as many as 15 murders in the New Orleans area, uh, and many believe he's responsible for many more. Uh, and you, of course, can read up all about uh, Elwood's trial and his and all that stuff. I'm not going to get into all of that. I'm just going to kind of summarize it. Uh, but uh, in 1993, he reportedly began killing. Um, uh, he claimed the life of his first victim uh, by drugging her and then drowning her in a canal. Um, and uh, his uh, murder series of killings of at least 26 prostitutes spanning from 1991 to 1996 uh, that Elwood is believed to be responsible for. So uh, he was sentenced to life in prison. um, And that's really all that's known uh, about him. And so it still remains kind of a mystery. Was he Clay the killer? Was someone else Clay the killer? Or was the guy who called in totally making shit up? But if he was, how did he know all these details about the crimes? So that's the story of Clay the Killer. And I was going to, I'll add a little bit in there because I'm a true crime junkie, listen mm-hmm. to a lot of true crime, but read a lot of true crime blo- books. And I'm this one actually just came up uh, within the past couple months. Uh, the podcast that I had listened to, too, they said that originally they thought all the killings that were happening happening were done by more than one person. Right. And it wasn't until that guy went on air and started giving clues that they thought, oh, this might be one person killing all these right. people, not two or three right, people. Right. Right. Yeah. People. Yeah. That, that's worth yeah. mentioning, too. Yeah. Because these were again, these were you know prostitutes uh, being killed and, you know, they, they get hurt and killed all the time, unfortunately. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're, you're right um, that they they didn't even like put that together at the yeah. time until until that call. And and some of the. Uh, some of the stuff that he said was really crazy. I, I wanted to mention this too. Um, let's see. Let me pull this up here. Uh, he, he went on to say that he planned on leaving clues for detectives at crime scenes, but there was really no need. Uh, he said uh, he wanted to baffle people. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a quote. I wanted to baffle people, but it turned out that no one noticed for a long time. Kind of like what you were saying, uh, yeah. Gary. Uh, and he said, I never sent the clues. I never left anything. I wanted to add, but I wanted to add my little signature. Uh, when asked about the timeline of his murders, uh, Clay told Stern uh, that and Robin uh, that he hadn't killed in almost a year, and uh, he said that like his car broke down, um, yeah. and that's why he wasn't able to kill for a while. So this yeah. kind of led to some ideas that he might have been a, a cab driver or something like that. 
but, but did he also say that he had children, wi- a wife and children, or something too? If I yeah, he did. He, he did. Yeah. Uh, he said he had kids. Uh, yeah, because Stern and Robin asked him a lot of general stuff, like, "You have kids? Mm-hmm. Do you? Where? What do you do for a living?" And yeah. he was vague half the time. Uh, you know, he was very careful not to say anything that could really incriminate him. Um, but I think one of the most insane quotes here is uh, um, that uh, when when Stern asked him if he planned on killing himself, like he does, like do you plan on harming yeah. yourself? And he said, uh, "If I killed myself, I'd miss the next Batman movie." That yes. was his fucking uh, quote. That's that's what he said. He's like, "I'm gonna kill nice. myself. But I don't want to miss, miss the next Batman movie." Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like a true sociopath. Like that's yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can go and listen to this. He says a lot of crazy things, and it is really mm-hmm. chilling to listen to it because, uh, you know, especially knowing what we know now that he had all these details about the killings that were never made public, and you know, it was like when law enforcement first started to tie it together that this was one person doing these killings. So at, at the time, like uh, I guess they didn't have the maybe the tech or the setup or the technology or the, at the ready to be able to trace. Where this might be coming from because the he no, talked you would have for to be a, a while up. or yeah okay yeah okay. you would so have they, to, they yeah. would actually have to be tapped into the line before they even started the conversation and this guy knew he knew that he knew all that stuff okay yeah, yeah. interesting yeah. I'm gonna go back and listen to this call I have I haven't heard this yeah it's but, a little creepy uh, mm-hmm. I did I did want to add one thing to it though mm-hmm. Baba Booey Baba Booey Baba Booey okay is that a stern thing I guess yes it is okay. Okay. It would have been All nice right. if you if you would have known that it would have been funnier. No, it doesn't never, matter. Yeah, I've never really yeah. been a fan. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I met <laughs> I met you. I've never really been a fan of you. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. So on to Carrie. Uh, uh, let's your your urban legend. Okay. So I try to take some notes. I try to do a little bit of research. Uh, it's really hard to find some stuff on this. So the urban legend that I came up with was literally where I lived uh, when I was growing up as a kid. Uh, heard this a million times. Went there. Uh, it was actually like a party spot. Um, the people would go out there, especially during Halloween, obviously, um, and uh, party, uh, yeah, drink, whatever, uh, whatever. So I used to live in a county called Paulding County, Ohio. Um, I think the population is about 40,000 for the entire county. It's very rural. Um, I grew up in a tiny town called Payne, Ohio, P-A-Y-N-E. Uh, I think there was 800 people in the entire town. So, um, that was kind of west and southern of the county and the top uh, upper right hand corner of the county, getting close to what is called Defiance County. There's a, a road that we all referred to as Coffin Road. Um, it's uh, So the story goes that there was a guy named Levi Eaton. He died on Christmas Day in 1920, and he left the land in that area to the county uh, with specific instructions to build a children's home on that. This is all true. You mm-hmm. can look all this stuff up. Uh, his family freaked out, fought over it, said he wasn't a sound mind. The will's completely shit. They wanted the land. You know, court battles ensue. Eventually, the land is awarded to the county. And by 1925, they had built what was called the Eaton Family Children's Home. 
which was open. Um, so if anybody really wants to go looking for this, Coffin Road is located just off of US 127 on the Defiance Paulding County line. Uh, if entering east from US 127, turn onto Jericho Road and then left onto Platter Creek Road. Uh, and it says you can also enter from Road 8, uh, the Defiance County, uh, Defiance Paulding County line road or road 120 or 192 if coming from the west. So um, I went there several times or whatever. Uh, so the story goes that there was the, a fire for the children's home. It burnt down. Um, and uh, you can actually go to the spot. There is a placard and it has the children's names on the placard. Um, it's like a tombstone looking thing. Um, there used to be a graveyard. I don't, that's probably part of the urban legend. It's not there anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I went looking cause I actually found like a Facebook page that had people who lived there and all the weird shit, you know, cause yeah. I couldn't even remember. There's so much shit involved with this. Well, yeah, I was going to so say, part, I was going to yeah. say, like being called Coffin Road, you would think there would mm -hmm. be a cemetery. Because that's the only time you see Cemetery Lane or something yeah. like that is when it's a yeah. cemetery. So to be called Coffin yeah. Road, you would think, yeah. Yeah, it's like when I went there, I don't ever remember seeing a cemetery. I don't know if they moved it or if they just, because it was so old and busted down is what I heard. That, that That's why they just replaced it with mm -hmm. that uh, placard. Yeah. Um so um, the story goes that the there's two stories. One, that the uh, children's home was struck by lightning, and that was what caused a fire. The second story that we all told each other, um, that, I, that was the story that I heard the most, was that there was a man, crazy. Um, some say he worked for the children's home. Some say he lived down the road from the children's home, that he hated children so much that he went there and set the orphanage on fire mm -hmm. uh, and then hung himself in a tree outside. Uh, there's the tree still there. People point at it and they're like, that's the hangman. They call it the hangman's tree. Real original, mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, I don't ever remember seeing the tree. Um, I've been back there uh, several times. Uh, supposedly the, the, the part of the urban legend was is there is a black mark on the uh, branch where he hung from. Um, so the, the ghost story of it is, uh, there's several. Um, there are people who say that you go back there and um, you can see the guy hanging from the tree sometimes. Um, a lot of people say they'll drive up and down the road, they'll see children standing out. Um, there's reports of, um, Orbs, apparitions, children laughing, children screaming for help. Uh, there's, I, I, when I went to the Facebook group, because I had heard this rumor so many times, I've never seen it myself, is that if you parked your car there and you went back in the woods, sometimes you come out and there'd be little children's handprints on your car. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah just all, all this stuff. Um, but the, the biggest one that I remember being told was when the cemetery was there. There was, okay, so this person actually lived down the road and they put, they said on the curve of the road, because it's a very winding road, it goes along, the road goes right up against the Maumee River. And that's why I went back there. I went with 
people to go fishing and stuff. I got poison oak. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. So it was the ghost said, who gave you the poison oak. It was the I, ghost. I got fucking poison oak. The from ghost a goddamn of goat. poison oak. Is that like an STD from Ghost? I don't know. Uh, I, I love that album. So, <laughs> said on the curve of the road, there was a cemetery and there was a headstone that had a cherub on top. And when you were coming from the west and heading east towards it, the cherub was facing you. But when you got past it, if you would look back, the cherub would still be facing you. Mm. That was that was the one that I heard the most. The second one was um, uh, uh, somebody had told me one time, if you drive down the road and back and down again, and then you get out and you look at the tombstone, like your name would be on it, you know, just like all kinds of crazy <laughs> da, story. Da, da. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So um, the real part is the orphanage was there. There seems to be everything I've seen said that it burned down. It really did burn down. Um, there was one guy in the Facebook group was like, well, my dad owned that you know, property and yeah. blah, blah, blah. They tore down the house. So there was that person who was just like, I'm just, you know, fucking wet blanket on your party. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, really? uh let's see but so when i started researching it more um they said what was it 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 ran up until the 1970s so i don't know exactly when this supposedly burned down i did find some stories uh, uh, back in 2006, where a woman who had worked for the orphanage, uh, she said she worked there until 1955. Uh, she was like a hundred and some years old when they interviewed her in like 2006. So it seems like it did run up to at least definitely 1955. Uh, I don't know when this supposed happened, but even digging deeper into it, I stumbled across somebody said, well, this is just a retelling of the Gore Orphanage. Oh. So apparently somewhere else in Ohio, I think it was like Vermilion, I think is the name of the town, Vermilion, Ohio. There was an orphanage that burnt down and like, I don't, there was a ton of kids that died in this fire. Oh. Um, and so they say it's just like a re, the person I found said, it's just a retelling of this. So I kind of looked at the Gore orphanage thing and it's like yeah there wasn't some crazy dude that hung himself in a tree or set it on fire there just seemed to be a right. you know fire that happened and like i think it was like 50 kids or some shit died oh, that's terrible. crazy yeah. yeah um but yeah that was the that was the boogeyman story that we were always told i've seen the the little placard thing um i've been back in the woods apparently um there was, uh, you could still see the foundation. I didn't really look at that. Like I said, we were back there, you know, drinking, partying, right. you know, some people were going fishing and stuff. It was very secluded. The road's really cool. It's a gravel road and there's trees that are just so tall. They kind of just envelop the entire tree, the entire road. So yeah, yeah. it's like a place where the kids would just drive and yeah, party back in the woods and next to the river and stuff. And there's like no houses for like miles and stuff. Perfect it's just place like that's for pretty, a haunted yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the whole, the whole county is so rural. It's like, I grew up and basically in the middle of a cornfield and miles before there was a house around. So yeah. there's plenty of places around the county, but like a lot of people went there and I think it was just, yeah. So you could tell these boogeyman stories about, 
you know, yeah. seeing little kids in the road and or along the side of the roads and yeah, yeah every, orbs and all that stuff. That's the great thing with the urban legends is like every town has one, no matter how small the yeah. town or, or, or how big, you know, there's always, you know, there's always these stories of this is the haunted place. This is the scary mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's always that overlap as well. Like you said, uh, you know, little handprints being on your car. Like I've heard that right. since yeah, I was yeah. like a kid. Yeah. Like put flower on your car when you go and then stop, yep. pause on the, on the train tracks here. And the, yeah. the little kids will push you over and then there'll be handprints. Like yeah. I've heard that. Oh, and, and, yeah. We had, we had several too. We had like the, the cry, uh, cry bridge, which I think everybody's had a story about Crybaby bridge where some I, woman. Dude, that was something I was going to down. talk about because Crybaby bridge actually goes deep because there's yeah. like so many, like it, it's, it's just a thing. People just call it, Oh, it's that's like a Crybaby bridge, yeah. you know, yeah. um, which is very interesting. Cause I did a lot of like stuff on that before I decided to the Dybbuk box. But uh, mm-hmm. Carrie, I was going to ask you this cause that that's an Ohio, like, uh, urban yeah. legend, right? So I was looking mm-hmm. at things in Pennsylvania, like because I'm from Pittsburgh originally, and I was like, well, let me satisfy, you know, people who, you know, want me to claim my roots, like Wes, that I was from Pittsburgh, and I am. Uh, and I was looking at these things, but like it sounds like what you're talking about reminded me of this one I was looking at called Thirteen Bends. Have you heard of this? No, I don't think so. Well, it, it's like. Uh, you you go to this this road that has like thirteen left turns, but only twelve right oh, turns, and like you end yeah. up yeah. I like think I've cemetery heard something similar to that. Yeah, where the fucking orphanage burned down, and you know yeah. you can hear the kids like a crybaby bridge type of thing, and then it, yeah. you know it says like you know some encounter great sadness when they drive by. Childlike handprints can be seen all over your vehicle. Yeah. So like these things, like uh, it's it's interesting how they blend and spread and just get like mm-hmm. uh, entrenched in. Uh, I don't know in us, and it's it's very fun. I think. The, the, oh, yeah, I was going to say that. say too on mine. If anybody's interested in looking, uh, if you go to YouTube and you just type in Coffin Road, Paulding, Ohio, there are videos of people actually going back there and looking at the marker. And yeah, they swear that they have what is it? I I don't know a whole lot about the paranormal stuff, but it's like EPBs uh-huh. or yeah, that I don't know orbs and all that stuff. So. Well, what you got to do is you got to get that Halloween three season of the witch Ouija board that John Wayne has. Yeah, and go out there. And go Ooh, out la there. la. Go out and there then, to the hangman's tree and be like, hey, dude, what was up? Did you really hate kids so much that you just burned down a fucking orphanage? Well, yeah, it would be, kid. It would be perfect because with, in Halloween three, the plan is to kill all children kids, too. Yeah. So you see, yeah. it's, it all yeah. ties together. Yeah. Yeah. And none of that was. That was on the show but i did i have the halloween three uh witch board ouija board that came out and it's pretty cool yeah i yeah he did show us that off camera um pretty pretty neat i mean i don't it's not really good for anything but it looks cool exactly (laughs) (laughs) kind of like story hey story of my life dude that's what my mom always has said about me (laughs) not really good for anything but he looks cool he looks cool you know, and that's all I need, dude. Yeah. I, I, at our, I, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going right. to say uh, our, our stupid, uh, you know, uh, urban legend thing. It's just like, I think for us, especially, you know, nineties kid, nineties teenager or whatever. It was like, I think it's what we did to pass the time because I think I mentioned to you one time that uh, my aunt literally made up 
a fucking urban legend on the spot yes. trying mm-hmm. to yeah. scare me and my friend and we just ended up fucking laughing yeah. so hard <laughs> uh, about it um and because she told my cousin who is four years younger than me i think we might have been like 13 mm-hmm. uh told her it's just like you know we're gonna go make this thing up we'd actually drove to virginia to visit family uh and there's a thing called dolly and holler and it's where everybody goes to party you know it's just like a side of a fucking mountain um and uh, yeah my aunt was just like we're gonna go tell these girls this story we're gonna try to scare them and stuff they told my cousin that and then it's just like we get in the van and we get up there and she's telling us the story and they're trying to freak us out and stuff and my cousin starts fucking crying and we're laughing (laughs) (laughs) the entire time because it was so fucking ridiculous right um but yeah it's just like i think it was just something you know for us it was just a way to entertain ourselves it was like before the fucking internet oh yeah or you know all that yeah, shit yeah so. it, yeah exactly um and when you live in the middle of nowhere too you know because yeah. i place i lived was pretty raw like when i first m- went there but um it it developed later but it was still a yeah. shithole with nothing to do and yeah so like there's all these different stories of like you know the urban legends of like oh where this body was found or you know yeah. or like the purse in the road fucking thing you know like oh, yeah. yeah you know like all those kinds of stories yeah um there's yeah every every town has more than one but um sometimes they're tied to like an actual place like yours where you could actually go and see the rubble or or, or the, the yeah. tree or whatever the fuck it yeah. is you know um mm-hmm. on, on a previous show i talked about here in connecticut how there's the little people village you know uh where um. you can still go there and look at it um but uh yeah, that's uh, that's urban legends, folks. Yeah. All right. Woohoo! Uh, check so out the- check out Carrie's new book with fucking Andy and Meatwad and whatever it's called. <laughs> Meatwad, <laughs> milkshake, yeah, Milk, shake, milkshake, yeah. and Meatwad and uh, that's, Fry Guys. That's- that's old meat whistle for you. Old meat whistle. <laughs> check that and check out that under the bridge goth dance uh, as well. I think if. Oh you know, yeah. That- if you have that yeah, playing, while, yeah, yeah. If you have that playing while you read and meet photo. I think that's a good pairing. Like, I don't know. Just, I don't uh, know what that is. coffee and chocolate. Yeah, just I, go to YouTube and type in. Uh, just go to YouTube and type in cyber goths dancing under bridge. Fuck yeah, Chris! It's gonna change your fucking life, dude. You thought bat pussy was something? What do you see this? <laughs> bat pussy is something. I don't care. It is something. Yeah. Well, it is something. It's Carrie, something. Are, you, are you familiar with bat pussy? I, I think uh, that's on vinegar syndrome. I have not seen it yet, but we uh, ended up getting uh, satanic rites, which is like, yeah, like three, yeah, it's as three um, uh, uh, pornos based around like satanic rituals or some shit, which nice. is yeah. uh, awesome. probably pretty la- pretty laughable. Yeah, um, um, I, I think it is. I think it's no, I think it's something weird put out bat pussy but i might be wrong it might be vanilla syndrome but yeah i've i have yeah. the special Blu-ray. I, I either seeing, way yeah. chris does own the special edition blu-ray so well that's uh, i need pussy. to get that then yeah i haven't seen bat pussy but i have i've Oof. seen uh the the it's the cover it's, for it. ooh, it's something else man it is something else we did a whole show on it <laughs> well, i was gonna say that Listeners, oh, really? listeners, if you don't, if you don't, what we're talking about, we did a whole show on Bat Pussy. Just go back uh, in the archives here, a few episodes back, about you know twenty or so. We did a whole episode on Bat Pussy. You can watch it on Pornhub uh, as well, so you don't have to order a Blu-ray unless you want to. 
but and, it is available. To and watch I it. think I think when we did that show, I was wearing my hot and saucy pizza girl. Shirt. Yes, you were. Yep. I was. I was. <laughs> yeah. And that's another 70s porno that I got. from. Yeah. And and that was funny because you know because I was staying with Chris uh, for a little while over the holidays or you know or just when it was like cold I don't know when I was over there but like Chris put it on like try to set the mood uh, like Hot hey here's a, he's girls, like he's yeah. like hey here's another horror movie and he put it on and like next thing I know John Holmes is like order up <laughs> and he's like just fucking tongue deep in this fucking girl snatch on the pizza bar and i was like that's not sanitary. yeah 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 it was it was that's great not it was, sanitary. yeah it, because it's like one of those it's one of those pornos where it starts off and you think it's like if like i didn't tell him it was a porno i just put it on i was like oh yeah. this, this movie's kind of fun and like the first 10 minutes it's just these like hot 70s girls delivered pizzas and stuff and then it, it turns into a porno like that that like fast just, yeah that fast it's a yeah, smash it's just, cut to his mouth in that snatch. Yeah. Snatch yeah, it's cut. Like, they should call it a snatch cut. Snatch there's, cut. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's no like slow transition. There's no like them making out. It's just like all they of a sudden, like yeah. this woman's on a table no, in no the romance. pizza parlor. Yeah. And, and John Holmes is, is you know. I think uh, that's kind of like the satanic rites. It's like, yeah, they're talking about like witchcraft or something. And all of a sudden there's a naked witch there and she's fucking people and stuff. Yeah. yeah it's. So, I uh, love I love pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's got the munchies, folks. He's got the munchies. Oh. Yep. Until right, next guys. until next time on John Wayne's Weed Corner, please <laughs> send <laughs> us the pictures of the pizza you ate this week. Yes. I don't even know what he's saying half the time, Carrie. <laughs> it's just, just stoner gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> Stoner gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. I have a <laughs> gibberish. <laughs> All right, folks. I think that's a show. <laughs> Land the plane, Chris. Bring us All in. Right. Thank you, I, Carrie. Yes. Oh, thanks. thanks. Guys, thing. check out Grindhouse Press. Check out uh, CV Hunt and Anderson Prunty and uh, Meet Photo coming out soon. And also, Mr. Triana's new book coming out also. Uh, the mm -hmm. perfect combo for your Valentine's Day needs. And That's once. Right. That's uh, right. Yeah. And uh, you check me out, baby. Under that bridge. <laughs> under that crybaby bridge. <laughs> Doing that dance. <laughs> oh, bear, bear came in. Bear's like, get the yep. fuck out. Let's go. Yeah. Bear's like, <laughs> Thanks, come bear. on, dad. This is, bear, bear's giving me the fucking Sandman hook right now. She's like, get out. Like, sweeping me off the stage. Okay. Thanks, guys. I think she just hacked Bye. something. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you.